Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Today's guest is Jessica Yarmi, the CEO and founder of Kick House on the topic of entrepreneurship. We discuss the ins and outs of owning your own business, the good stuff and the hard stuff. And Jessica is super candid on her learning lessons and advice. Enjoy. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Long time, no talk. Yeah. You caught me fixing my hair. It's all good. Um, you caught me like trying to like search my desk for my like better microphone. Um, and I realized, I think my son was using it to like record a video of his own. So hopefully my sound sounds okay without my like fancy microphone. Yeah, no, you sound good. Um, yeah. You told me that your son got, has gotten into like podcasting, right? Yeah, he's into um, like video editing and podcasts and, uh, you know, I'm good with it because I'd rather him create than just consume YouTube videos. So he he has a YouTube channel that has more, subs- he consistently reminds me that his YouTube channel has more subscribers than Kickhouse. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not competitive about it at all for sure. (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah. 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 No, he, he likes, he likes to create, he likes to post and um, edit and stuff like that. So he has like a better computer setup than I do. And then he steals the stuff that I do have. So that's funny and really cool. Yeah. I mean, I like, again, I think that he could just burn through hours watching YouTube, um, just goes into like a a dark hole. Um, so at least there's a balance of like, he actually posts stuff too. Um, and then, and then also consumes a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. Um, oh, well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, yeah, if you're ready, I'll just kind of dive into those questions I sent over. Yes, I tried to like craft some answers this morning, like, but I was at the I was at the gym, like on the elliptical, like, oh, I didn't realize there was going to be so many questions. So, well, I'll make it as painless as possible. <laughs> Perfect, I love that. Yeah, well, I want to start with um, just getting some background on you, especially for those who aren't familiar with your journey. Talk talk to me a little bit about what led you to founding Kick House. Well, I started in franchising in 2008, actually working in the restaurant space, and I didn't get into fitness franchising until 2012 when I started at Gold's Gym. And really for me, that was an interesting crossroads because it just overlapped franchising, which I loved, with marketing, which I loved, with fitness, which I loved. I was an athlete my whole life. So really to have multiple passions just kind of converging and overlapping. It created this amazing Venn diagram and I've been in, been in fitness ever since. Um, You know, in terms of like starting kick house, we headed into the pandemic March of 2020 and I saw a lot of things like moving around and shifting and like the whole environment was changing and there were so many things that were just um really like every day there was just something new happening and and changing and i think there's there's a couple of ways you can you can deal with change and approach change and and a way that a lot of people tried to deal with it is like let me just sit still and wait for things to return to normal 
And I'm really glad that I didn't do that. Um, I really did the opposite and like look for opportunities whenever things are changing, whenever there's a shift in the environment, like that's where things emerge. And it's really just staying open to like even opportunities that you hadn't considered before. Um, anytime there's big seismic shifts, like we've all just lived through, like that's where the opportunities are. So that really was what helped me like dive into starting Kick House in July of 2020. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there was at least a little bit of anxiety surrounding that decision doing that in the pandemic. How did you kind of work through that and um, believe in the vision that you'd, you know, had in your head? I mean, I think you can look at any, um, big opportunity as like, you could, you could see the ways that it would fail, or you could see the ways that it would succeed. And I try to have a healthy balance of both mindsets. Um, you know, sometimes really looking at things analytically and with the devil's mind, you know, devil's advocate kind of mindset. And then other times really looking at things hopeful and looking at things, um, you know, opportunistically and also optimistically and, for me, I'm a big believer in in-person fitness. I have all the apps on my phone and I start workouts at home and I consistently get distracted by the laundry bell or, you know, chores that I have to do. And the hour long workout becomes 30 minutes and then I log off. And in contrast, in-person fitness is just my happy place. Um, I work out harder. I work out longer. I have a blast working out with people. It's really my social time as well as my workout time. So I think that's what helped me be hopeful about the space is like, I believe in it. I'm a consumer of it. I live it. I love it. So, um, you know, I think like, that's what made me like really, really optimistic about the opportunity. Yeah, no, I totally relate to that. I personally um, have struggled to maintain an exercise routine when I'm not, you know, a part of a gym, a part of a boutique, a part of a community. I think that's um, a significant thing for the industry to remember because that is the case for a lot of people. They really Mm -hmm. do need that place to go to where they can really um, be all in on the experience versus having all those distractions of being at home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where people get the best results also. Yeah. Well, um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, Kickhouse's growth, its trajectory. How many locations do you have? What's on the horizon? We have 30 locations open right now, coast to coast, like from California to, to Maryland. And we actually have one, um, prime yoga studio open also. So we have a second concept that's kind of in, in the mix. Um, we're in proof of concept mode with that. And the, the horizon is really like, let's grow both of them as quickly as, as we can. I think there's a lot of interest right now in the fitness space. There's a lot of eyeballs on what we're doing, um, and kind of watching the quarterly, you know, announcements from different brands and like seeing what ways are things moving because everyone's waiting for the right moment to jump back into, the fitness industry and ride that rebound. So, you know, we've been like riding the rebound now for, for two years and, and operating and improving like operations throughout that time frame. So now it's like really like hold on tight because the next 12 months, it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. Um, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome over the last couple of years? 
Well, I'm a new entrepreneur. So I think like, even if you're a new entrepreneur in normal times, that's a difficult transition. I stepped into entrepreneurship during the pandemic and, you know, I brought, I confidently brought all my 20 years of playbooks with me and, you know, really felt like I got this. (laughs) And the pandemic um, really burned every single one of those playbooks. Um, Things are looked at differently now. You know, you're not even looking at year over year numbers as much as you're looking at like month over month, week over week. Like, where are we today? Because everything kind of is following different trend lines than it than it used to. So it's been a real journey to build new playbooks on the fly based on the best information we have at our fingertips right now. Um, And just like moving at the speed of light and learning as we go and failing as we go and, um, and just kind of like doing the best we can with the information that we have, knowing that um, it's all based on you know, imperfect playbooks, because it's all just really like real time um, data and real, real time decisions. Yeah. Was there anything that you learned about yourself as a leader or entrepreneur that you didn't know before? Well, I knew I didn't like failure. Um, I knew I was a perfectionist going into entrepreneurship, but um, it really has opened my eyes even more so to the fact that I don't like failure because really as an entrepreneur, let alone like entrepreneur during pandemic times, it's consistent failure. It's consistent trial and error. It's consistent. um, Like, what did we do wrong? What do we need to do better? Um, You fail more than you succeed, really, um, if you're pushing forward hard enough. Um, And we are, we're pushing. Um, And so if you're trying to trailblaze, if you're trying to, you know, build in Greenfield or, or float through blue ocean, whichever color analogy you want to use, like if you're trying to do something big and new and different, you're just going to consistently like make mistakes. And, um, and that's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. Um, And it's taken me a while to work through that. Um, and the way that I best work through it now, and I'm, I'm definitely not perfect at working through it is, is just to talk about it and to, you know, have a culture of, um, accepting fails and learning from fails and, um, and admitting them and being okay with it, knowing that as long as we learn something, um, it really wasn't a fail. It was really just a, a learning exercise. Um, and that's really how we try to look at fails. That's really how I try to look at my own mistakes is with, um, you know, through that lens of like, what did I learn? What will I do differently next time? Um, and communicating through the team, like, here's what we did wrong and here's why it was wrong so that we make better decisions the next time around. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important as a leader to be open about um, failure, like you said, because I think teams, especially when you have really passionate, dedicated employees, they don't want to fail either Mm -hmm. and they can also take it really hard. So I think it is important to have that open dialogue about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I hire a bunch of perfectionists. So um, it's definitely that kind of culture of like, 
really a frustration around like, why is this so difficult? Why isn't this perfect at this moment? And one of my greatest roles is just to remind people that like we're building something from scratch. So get it to a B plus and let's roll and let's optimize it down the road, get it to that A, get it to that A plus, but we don't have time right now to, um, you know, to wait until it's perfect to launch. Cause it's really never going to be like perfect. Perfect. There's always things that you can work on. There's always things that you can tweak. Yeah, for sure. Um, was there anything that you wish you'd um, known before taking the leap into entrepreneurship? I think entrepreneurship is, is really glamorized at this point, um, through a lot of social media, through, um, you know, everyone celebrating wins and, um, sharing their wins on social media and, um, you know, celebrating when, funding comes in, celebrating when you hit certain milestones and um, the early stages, like when you're in startup mode, it is more fails than it is wins. Mm -hmm. And no one really talks about it because you're really trying to like put your like story together in a really positive way. And you're trying to share that positivity to, um, create that momentum around your business and what you're, and what you're building. So, um, I think there's, there's just a, the hidden side of early stage entrepreneurship is just that it's, it's really difficult and it, there are a lot of fails. Um, and everything that you see online is at least two years in and, um, and a lot closer to like the success stories than it is to the stories of like, here's the flat out mistake that I made and it's painful. Um, you don't post that kind of stuff online cause you don't want people to know about it. You know, you really kind of like want to fix it and then, and then celebrate it, like celebrate it once it's, once everything's like back to good. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Cause you're right. Um, I, especially in the media, you do kind of see more of those like overnight quote unquote success stories, which really weren't overnight. <laughs> they were, um, decades Absolutely. or more in the making. So, yeah. yeah. Um, any advice that you'd give to people who are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, opening their own business, what would you say to them? I think you have to go in with a level of self-awareness that is brutally honest with yourself because you need to quickly fill the holes in your own skill set with either partners in your business or early hires in your business or even contractors in your business. There's really no way that one person can be great at everything top to bottom. So understanding like, what are you great at where it makes sense that you're going to hold on to this piece of the business for as long as you can, because it's your superpower, because you love it, because it's really the fuel that's going to drive you to like fight through those, those early stages. Um, you know, for me, that's branding and marketing, you know? So like I held the kick house brand and I still hold the kick house brand as like my little like baby. Um, and I, I held on to it as long as I could um, until I had to like let it go, you know, to deal with other other parts of the business. But the pieces that, that I'm not good at, you know, finance, accounting, real estate, negotiations, contracts, like that's the opposite of my superpower. Um, 
like I put a person in place to help with that. So I think it's just acknowledging what am I great at? What do I want to hold? What am I really poor at that I need to dish off as quickly as possible um, and dish it off, even if it means to a part-time person, even if it means to an hourly person, even if it means to a vendor that, you know, charges you by the hour, like dish it off, because if it's not your strength, it's going to be really painful for you to put in those hours on something that you don't love and you're not good at. Um, and it's just not going to set you up for success. Yeah, no, I think that's important for people to hear. Um, I don't know if you relate to this, but even personally, I kind of feel like as the leader, it's my responsibility to like solve every problem and every mm -hmm. issue, even if it's something that I don't have the skill set skill set to solve. So I think that's yeah. where people kind of get trapped in that sometimes. Yeah, and that's what makes your days feel really sluggish and hard is when you're working in things that you're not good at. Yeah. So put yourself in your superpower, dish off everything that, you know, makes your day feel sluggish. Yeah. Great advice. Um, what's been the most empowering aspect of uh, being an entrepreneur and owning your own business? I have had the um, lucky uh, scenario of being able to like hire and surround myself with people who are amazing at their piece of the puzzle and um, and working through those early relationships, working through those early partnerships and building like really fast trust with those employees and with those partners um, where you're moving a mile a minute and we have to just go, but we haven't really worked together, but like we know we're running in the same direction. Um, I think that's been really one of the most like empowering parts of this whole experience is really choosing like who I'm going to run with and making smart decisions there. Um, and then being two years in now and realizing that those were still good decisions, you know, and really, um, two years of a startup you're in a lot of different stuff together. Um, and so to really like be on that journey with, um, you know, some people who have been with me the whole time, um, has really been fun. Um, and I think it's empowering to not just like have those people, you know, be my people that I chose, but then also to see them really like now choosing their people and really the culture that's kind of come from those early decisions of like, all right, who's running this thing and, um, and how are they going to translate what my vision is for it and now take it and run with it as if it's their vision, put their own fingerprints into it, um, and hire their own people and pass down like their own culture, their own work ethic, their own, you know, values. It's really been, um, it's been a fascinating like family to, to watch grow, um, at, at lightning speed. Yeah, that's great. And that's why it is so important to have such an emphasis on people and culture, right? Cause especially if you are like a perfectionist, which I relate to as well, you can't really necessarily delegate unless you have those people on your team that you really trust. Yeah. Trust is huge and it doesn't 
come on day one, you know, it really comes um, over time and it comes from, okay, we did collectively just mess up. Um, what are we doing with that? Um, I'm pretty consistently like the person who like takes the, the fall for things, you know, so like every mistake at some point, just like ladders to me. And then how do I react to that? You know, how do I, um, you know, communicate out to franchise owners, like what that mistake was. Um, and I think, you know, one of the ways that I look to build trust is just to like, to take that on and to be that, to be that leader that has my team's back always, um, you know, and everything that happens behind the scenes, you know, I'm the one who like really presents it and, um, and communicates it and takes responsibility for it, you know, at the end of the day. So I think, you know, doing things like that um, early on establishes like, here's how this is going to go. You know, we're going to, we're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes at the end of the day. Like I'm going to be the one who communicates it. I'm going to take that loss um, and we're going to move forward. And, you know, at some point there's going to be wins and, you know, we're all going to collectively like celebrate that, that together. So um, yeah, it, I think you can, you can build those relationships really fast and you can build trust really fast when you're in a startup kind of environment, because there's so much that's flying. So you have those instances, you have those reps, um, really early on when you're working together. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, well, like you kind of just touched on, um, leadership is a big responsibility. So I'm really curious how you kind of protect your mindset and your own mental health in a position that can be really stressful. Well, I think everyone's heard the phrase like work hard, party hard. Uh, I think a lot of people <laughs> like lived that in their, in their early twenties, maybe, but the way that I think of it is like work hard, recover hard. And the harder you work really, the harder you need to emphasize on your recovery and, um, and prioritize your recovery. So, um, I think, you know, being in startup mode, we're running and it is really important to have like a daily cadence of recovery, um, let alone like weekly cadence of recovery vacations. It's just almost like too few and far between. It's like, what am I doing every day that, um, that allows my brain to, to reset, even if it's in just like micro moments of recovery that helps me to be able to like wake up the next day and do it all over again and do it like faster. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know for me, I, I find that I like have to at least go on a walk once a day or I'm mm -hmm. going to lose it. So yeah. yeah, just finding those little things. Yep. Like walk and talk, like meetings, even as you're walking is great. Um, like micro, I think micro recovery for me is more impactful than macro recovery of like the annual vacation. Yeah. Um, cause it's just not, can't wait until, you know, July to chill out. Like it really has to mm -hmm. be like, what am I doing at 4 PM to chill out? What am I doing at 9 PM to chill out? So I can actually shut down and get a good night's sleep. Like sleep is huge. Yeah, no, you're right. Cause one week of vacation, isn't going to offset, you know, 365 other days of burnout where you've just been, you know, crushing yourself, <laughs> trying to get things done. 
Yeah. And I think people wonder why, like, why, do, why am I still stressed out when I'm on vacation? Well, because you don't have those tools of like, here's how I actually unplug. Here's how I actually will chill out. And, and I do a, I do a fairly good job of like unplugging and like actually letting the brain shut off and whatever tips and tricks you can put in place for yourself. Like, again, it's like self-awareness. Um, but do those things like learn that early on the earlier in your career, you can, you can learn those things, like figure it out because it's, um, it's going to be invaluable as you, as you go forward. For sure. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit just to talk about boutique, sorry, boutique fitness in general. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about why you're so passionate about it? So I've worked in um, almost like equal halves of fitness. So I spent five years in big box fitness, and then I've spent the last five years in boutique fitness. And I love fitness as a whole, and I'm a consumer of big box fitness, and I'm a consumer of boutique fitness. And the reason I love boutique fitness is there's a couple parts of it. Um, Number one, it's coach-led, and so it really delivers like a personal training experience but in a group fitness environment, so you don't have the the cost of a personal trainer, but you have the benefit and the personal touch of a personal trainer. You have somebody who's watching you to make sure you're actually doing the things correctly. Um, You know, number two, I think it's the the community aspect of it and really um, having the like motivation around community, but then also accountability around community. Like, having somebody um, watching you do the things, you're always going to do them harder than if um, than if no one is watching you. So, you know, there's a number of studies around like people who stay with, um, you know, fitness routines or complete fitness routines, um, you know, longer than people who do it by themselves. And so, you know, I think the, the workout buddy element is, is huge in boutique fitness. Um, it's, like a cheers kind of environment where everybody knows your name. Um, But then thirdly, it's not the maybe intimidation of like a cheers environment. It's more so an environment that, you know, you walk in and everyone knows that you're new and it's not, they're looking at you like, why are you here? But they're looking at you like, yeah, you made the decision to be here. And I think it's, much less intimidating to walk into that kind of family that, um, really like cheers each other on, um, then to walk into a big gym where you don't know what to do, um, and you're alone. So I think it's everything that, um, you know, boutique is everything that big box really isn't in that it's, it's coach led. There's a community aspect and it's not as scary. Um, you know, starting a new fitness routine is scary. Um, I've been in fitness for forever and still walking into a new gym. It's like, okay, where is this? Where is everything? Um, it takes you a bit to like figure it out. And you really don't have that dynamic when you walk into a boutique studio, it's really like guided and, um, you know, family and fun and like someone's with you every step of the way. So you don't feel alone ever in your journey. Yeah. 
And I think those are all important things, um, takeaways that can be incorporated into any fitness experience because you can create a boutique experience even within a larger facility if you kind of take those elements and incorporate them in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to just give people a guide. So if I was running a big box gym, like I would have at least like the first two times somebody's there like they're with someone, you know, if it's a personal trainer or if it's with a employee, but like, here's, here's the drill. Like, here's what we're doing. Here's where everything is. Here's how you could get started. That's going to be appropriate for you. Yeah. Um, can you give me any insight into the boutique fitness, um, trends in general and anything that you're seeing, um, kind of from the inside, where do you think things are going? It's been a fascinating two years. Um, and I think a lot heading into the pandemic, the trend was like calorie burn and heart rate variability and even, you know, recovery within heart rate and really like watching your numbers and, you know, kind of knowing the ins and outs of, um, you know, what's happening on your Apple watch or, you know, whatever band you're, you're wearing. And I think really what, the the pandemic kind of moved us all to is a much more like holistic view of of our health and of our well-being and i think a lot more people are now starting routines because of the mental health benefits the stress relief benefits um the sanity benefits rather than the you know bikini body benefits um so you know i think even as an industry, we need to do more education there um, because the mental health benefits are huge. The immune system benefits are huge. The, you know, heart disease benefits are huge. You know, so there's, there's so much that we need to continue to like push and, and educate on. But I think that's really like the biggest trend that we're seeing in, in boutique is just the reasons why, like, why do you do what you do? And I think the social aspect, like of being in boutique, like we just talked about, like starts to kind of play into that too. Like, how do I feel mentally, emotionally, like when I come into the studio, how do I feel when I leave? Um, and did this feel good for me as a whole? Not just, you know, did I sweat? Cause yeah. you did, but you know, but what, what's the overall picture of what we just worked through? Yeah. Exp expanding that messaging beyond just exercise to everything, all the other great benefits that come with being active. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to end on a, a couple personal questions if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, what's a favorite leadership book of yours and why? All right. Confession. I, I, I'm not a very good reader. I'm like terrible at reading. Um, but I podcast like a beast. Um, when I'm at the gym, I'm podcasting when I'm in the car, I'm podcasting. So I'll give you two podcasts instead yeah. of one book. Um, so the Franklin Covey on leadership podcast is a great like leadership podcast and they're like bite size, right? It's like an hour or less. Um, and it just kind of gives you thoughts and then the entree leadership podcast. So I love those two as, um, just like bite-sized frequent, um, varying topics on just things that get your brain, you know, like thinking about things differently and like thinking about 
um, how you need to show up as a leader, especially in these times, you know, and it, I think that's a big part of it too, is like how you need to lead today is a lot different than even how we were leading two years ago. So um, like that real time, you know, even the hot topic of like work from home versus work from the office, like that leadership topic is huge right now. Um, so I like to podcast because like real time, um, what's happening today, like in my world that I need to do better with. Yeah. I'm a podcast consumer too. So I'll have to add those to my list. I hadn't heard of those ones. <laughs> um, awesome. So, uh, my last question is what's something that's made you smile recently? Um, there's a great, great quote about leadership. That's like leaders don't create followers, but leaders create more leaders. And I have seen my team recently step up into like their own version of leadership. I'm, I'm big into like me as a leader is not going to be you as a leader. Um, everyone has their own like style, their own personality, their own strengths and weaknesses that they bring to the table. And so I'm big on giving my team like space to explore that and to do things their own way. Um, and to really like explore who are you as a leader? Um, and how do you kind of step into that power? Um, it doesn't have to look like me. Um, it, it just needs to look like you. And, um, I, I have a bunch of like of little leaders and that definitely makes me smile. And like when I get to like see them do things that are just true to them, like authentic, but real, like strong leadership, um, you know, leading, leading our nation, um, that just inspires me because like, I know there's then the next generation after them that's like looking to them for like, how do I need to show up as a leader? And so now we just have like multiple examples of, you know, here's how Jessica does it, but here's how Sam does it. She does it differently than how Gwen does it. Here's how Kelsey does it. And so it's like all these different examples of just really being um, strong, powerful, empowered and authentic leaders. And I get to see it like every day. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really cool too, because it illustrates the impact of opening a business beyond just, you know, creating jobs or profit. Um, you're giving people opportunity and that um, is something that should be celebrated for sure. Yeah. And, and where we are today is not where we're going to be tomorrow. And so I think if we all have this culture of, um, you know, like continuing to learn growth mindset, I know that that's what you, you practice and preach with your group. So um, I think like continue to do what you're doing in that space, because these kind of like bite-sized moments of just, you know, thinking outside of what your normal day-to-day -day is, um, I think those, those learning opportunities are huge for people. So um, it just, that's the game. It's just like better tomorrow, better the day after that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that you want to add? No, I'm just excited to, um, to be a part of this rebound um, and like excited for the months to come. I truly think that this next 12 months in the fitness industry, it's going to be um, like a wild ride, unlike the last, you know, 10 years that I've been in this space. So I can't wait to see like what's on the horizon. I know we're, we're ready to tackle it head on. 
Yeah. Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, it was good seeing you and thank you again for your time. And I can't wait to share the episode with the industry. All right. Chat with you soon. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.